hold on. Let me, <laughs> let me just. Um, where the fuck is my window? Here we go. Share. Share. Sherry Berry window. This. You see this? From the home offices of Ash and Flow, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around and listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. And um, so for this podcast, which... By the way, welcome everybody to to this recent episode of Unbill Bars. Um, welcome, yeah. I, I wanted to do so. I've, I've threatened you with a, a reading thing, right? I wanted to mm-hmm. talk to you about an article I found, or it's it's a chapter in a book, I should say. Um, it was called "Professional Services Marketing Handbook." It's been edited by Nigel Clark and Charles Nixon. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has a piece in it which I liked, and the piece is called uh, "Closing the Commerciality Gap," which, yeah. and I'll oversimplify this for the purpose of this podcast. This essentially talks about how can you become a better advisor to the business as a marketing team. Uh, mm-hmm. Answer is you become a better advisor to the business by becoming more businessy or more commercially minded. Yeah. I think so far we we nod our heads in agreement, right? I think we've spoken about this. Yeah, we have in previous episodes. Now, what I like about this piece here, and I did I say who wrote it or did I not say it? Yes, been... you mentioned it was Nigel and Charles. No, they edited the book. Sorry, the 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 chapter seven by uh, Ben Kent, who apparently is the managing director at Meridian West. Don't know him, mm-hmm. but we'll we'll put uh, an honorable mention in the show notes. I think that's fair. Um, so he lays out the seven habits. This is me getting into the, the structure for the for the episode today. So he says, okay, if you want to be a better advisor, more respected, being able to drive more results with the business, you've got to uh, embrace seven habits, which are the habits of the commercial advisor. Um, and I suggest that for this podcast, Ash, I'll read them off one after another and we discuss them one by one. How's that? So habit number yeah. one, he says, you've got to understand the clients, that being the firm's clients, uh, desired outcomes. Oh, I stand corrected. He also means the internal clients. So you've got to understand the firm's clients and you've got to understand your internal clients, which is the business. Fair. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you've got me so far. Go on. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the headline. I would, what, would you, what would you say to this? Are you just saying, yeah, obviously, and we're never... Yeah, I, I, thought, I, I thought we were just stating the obvious, but of course, like, you got to understand your clients, whether it's internal or external, in order to do that, because that, that's the only time... I mean, that's the only way you'll understand what their pain points are and how do we yeah. start to align to solve these things. Yeah, and th- th- I think um, it's an interesting, just to give people a very practical example and then we move on because, yeah, it is obvious to us at least. Um, an area I've, I have been working on the past few days where this came in was discussing messaging uh, with a practice and they were wondering whether or not they should have sustainability in a specific type of operations as as the key business outcome they develop to clients do we make this part of our main message yes or no and um me being the marketing guy i actually i didn't i didn't know so i didn't know what the client's preferred outcome was but i made the point that we should find out because sustainability is one of these things ceos love to talk about it everybody talks about it 
But if you put it in your value proposition, you might find out the hard way that people do not buy it all too often, if that makes sense, right? No, that does make sense, yes. So this would be one of the cases where if I, as the marketer, had understood the, the client outcomes or had research at the ready or whatever, I could have mm -hmm. helped make the decision there and then. This way, I had to do the other thing marketers always do and say, let's find out and test it and interview and stuff. But anyways, that's that's it, right? you got to know these things because you will not be able to drive effective programs if you don't. Habit number two, um, understand the business, as in to understand the firm you work at. Mm -hmm. And um, we have said this a bazillion times, so I feel like I can move on. Just... A small episode to put yeah, to okay. put uh, the listeners on the spot. Um, do you know what the industry benchmark for gross margins in consulting are, um, and for profit margins? I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying that's the stuff we talk about when we talk about understanding the business, uh, right? A part yeah. of it is financials and how do they come together? And I think his habit three is very closely related to what we just said, uh, understanding the economics, which a certain ash and a certain flow, we did an entire episode about, right? The, the understanding unit economics piece. Yes, we did. And I would still recommend to go and listen to that one. Yeah. So, so, so far we, we agree with what he's saying. Um, and I think there's no differences here. It's really got to understand desired outcomes, which are typically business outcomes. And then we got to understand the levers to to get to those, which mm -hmm. which that is often related to financials, right? You got to do that. Habit number four. Oh, drum roll. Can we splice a drum mm -hmm. roll? Probably not. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know Just how to do that. Um, but the habit number four is um, understand the people. He says here, being able to understand the people, their styles and drivers is fundamental to being able to navigate successfully the complex world of business and to deliver success in terms of the desired outcomes. Yeah. Um, mm, okay. Yeah. I would argue that this is correct. No, it's correct. But in professional services, I think it's also, and you and I again have spoken about it. You've got to understand how people interact in this wild matrix organization right so, so yeah it's not just understanding people it's understanding politics i would say i don't know what, what your take is when you say it's understanding politics it's a bit tricky but essentially it's to find your way so that you can swim through the whole thing without a lot of difficulty yeah and you got to know who, who the power brokers are and who can um you know who can get what you need, not just for yourself, but also for your business stakeholders. It's, it works that way. Yes. We should bring someone on who's um, excellent at matrix organizational stuff. Oh, I remember we, we did uh, a little bit in our interview with Scott, which I'm uh, intending to, spoiler alert, um, if you've listened up to here, um, which I'll, I'm going to put out as a little bonus episode early next week. Um, so that, that's how that works. So teaser, if you want to understand a little bit more about playing the people's game, you should listen to our upcoming interview with Scott Renneberg from 
a firm we all worked at. Um, and uh, also the whole thing there is lobbying. That's basically the name of the game. Oh, yeah, I think we get to that um, uh, a few points down. But um, his next one, I think, we is interesting because you and I haven't spoken about it explicitly that much. But again, I, I think you would agree with it. He says, uh, habit number five, getting good at agreeing the scope. Yes. Agree the scope. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, getting alignment on the scope is really important because if you don't, then you'll be in, you'll end up wasting your time trying to do things that are not really things that you should be doing. Yeah, you'll you'll work yourself to death, um, probably for not very important things. And also, um, it's an expectation management issue, right? Um, mm-hmm. I find specifically in, in larger firms, right? So I don't know, I'm going to say a couple of hundred people and up. Um, there's often a situation that the marketing team is very small and the number of stakeholders requesting services is very large. And the stakeholders themselves tend to forget that. So it's always good. I'm not saying cry about how your team is so small. That's not what I'm saying. And that's actually, oh, no. I'm saying the opposite. You should avoid that. But you should be get good at get good at agreeing the scope so that you can ensure, you know, time and delivery, all these things. Uh, because I think that's the way of getting more resources is to be able to show how you can deliver. And um, mm-hmm. keeping things within budgets and deadlines is um, also a function of planning realistically. Which that's planning a whole other discussion of, can you there. even do that anymore? Sorry. No, but planning realistically, that's the key thing there. Because sometimes you got to remember that your business stakeholders are not looking for you to promise them the sky. They're looking for their business objectives to be met. So don't be a sycophant. Just make sure yeah. that you get the right things done. Also, yes. uh, if you if you embrace that habit, it says here. So I'm, I, I lost got lost reading. Uh, he says it avoids scope creep. Yeah, that was what we were referring to with working yes. yourself to death, right? Because yeah, you mm-hmm. can always add a widget, but should you probably not? And it's it's our job as marketers to manage that well, especially if you lead the team. Um, habit six: build practical solutions. Mm, yeah, I think generally speaking, consultancy marketers are good at that. Mm-hmm. The, the, the one area where I'd say uh, I have been not super effective for a long time is building stuff that's um, practical and helpful in, 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 uh, for internal communications. I don't know if that makes any sense, but, but you build like a marketing campaign. Uh, you have all the systems figured out. There's lots of stuff. And then I, I, fell, I used to fall short on explaining the the whys and hows to i don't know managing directors partners who did not know a lot about marketing and didn't care that much right so maybe that's maybe maybe that's maybe we can position it that way and say build practical solutions when it comes to the the stakeholder management the politics and the the explaining what you're doing maybe that's it yeah i think we actually touched upon a few of these things in our episode marketing marketing but essentially, True. you do need to make sure that you are marketing your services and yourself effectively and making sure that you communicate this and build. Not only do you need to build a stakeholder map of everything external, you need to build one of everything internal so that there's awareness of your services and awareness of what you're doing. Because then there's no need to duplicate all these things. 
which happens in you know large firms yeah um that is definitely that true. Any firm where there's no communication, primarily. Yeah, it yeah, doesn't true. matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter the size and of that, the firm. That that is that depends on dysfunctionality rather than size. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Um, interestingly, though, to just I don't want to stick with this habit too long, but interestingly, he he writes here something. Uh, unfortunately, many clients, this here being the internal clients of the business, think that professionals add complexity. Their complaints fall into two categories. Those who complain that their marketing advisors don't tell them what to do. And here comes a quote. They tell me the law, but not what I should do. I think that's a dig at the brand police and the policy hawks. I don't know. Um, and then those who complain that their marketing teams do tell them what to do, but are too rigid. Is that another yes, dig they, at the brand police? I'm confused. <laughs> I don't think it's a dig at the brand police. It's essentially like there would be the brand police who tells them what, you know, the narrow area they can operate. And then there would be the marketing team uh, who basically yeah. follow the brand police advice and tell them they can't do all of this because which then limits the whole thing. So I, so, so there's two complaints. If I, if I can rephrase it then, uh, one says um, the, the ones there's those who are not practical at all because they don't give practical advice and then there's those who do that but they're not pragmatic like in as in they stick too close to the frameworks to the policy and so again nothing gets done is that is that how we read this yeah i mean essentially it's i mean some of these problems exist in more complex firms and the complexity again is not due to size it's due to how it's structured and the communication internally and so what essentially happens is someone sets the rules and says these are the rules and then someone sticks and firmly to the rules and tell gives them the inability to move. The whole thing that you have to realize as a marketer primarily is that not the like it's not that you shouldn't say no. You should always be brave enough to say no to certain things that don't make sense. But you should be able to position why there's a no. And if that no doesn't make sense in that specific regard, then find a way to make it happen in a way that still fits in the rules, because that's part of your job, really. It's essentially doing a hard no and a soft no and a soft yes, depending on the case. Don't just look at the rules. Look at what is the objective, what's being, what's trying to be done, and if it makes sense in the big picture. Sometimes someone just wants to go and do an event but it, the, this event is probably the most pointless thing for your firm because, <laughs> you know, n none of your ideal clients are there and, you know, it doesn't put the right message in the market. But sometimes it might be an event that actually builds you the kind of thing you need. And I'm saying events because professional services firms seem to largely love the whole event space. Yeah. Which... um. That's an interesting one. We should also maybe uh, uh, do an episode about events that mm -hmm. make sense and, and how to run them. I don't know. Taking a note. But yeah, okay, good. So so that was the the, the not practical enough or too rigid thing. So last his last piece of advice, I'm no, sorry, he calls them habits. His last habits, um, communicate for impact, which yes. I really so I've gotten better at this over the years, but I'm really learning along this curve that has the label don't underestimate how difficult it is for 
non-marketing people to grasp some of the concepts you think are very basic and to reflect them in the frameworks they are used to thinking in. I don't know if that makes any sense. But Actually, um, uh, I'd like to fra frame what you said as it's not just important for you to communicate your business object business stakeholders' objectives to the market, but also to communicate to the business stakeholder what you're trying to do. And so you should be a communicator for the external thing, supporting your business stakeholder, and for the internal thing, supporting yourself to the business stakeholder. Hmm. Yeah. And I think um, this is an interesting point, which maybe also we could revisit in a later time. But um, if anyone ever had to give a presentation, like put a real boardroom presentation together mm -hmm. to get a budget, uh, defend a budget, report on how you spend your budget, I don't know, whatever it was. Um, Depending on who you're talking to, it can be, uh, again, like I said, uh, a steep learning in how to talk about marketing stuff to non-marketing people who not even do they not know, they often don't even think about it in the terms we think about it, if that makes any sense, right? Simplest example would be, they think it's a dumb cost center, which they shouldn't even pay attention to. We think it's the primary strategic growth labor for the firm, right? And so, yeah, you've got to bridge these differences. Um, I think that's what he writes about and if he says communicate for impact. Um, he gives a bunch of reasons uh, why um, these habits are so hard to put in place because that's his observation. I should be fair to the book and say it's a bit older. I, it's from... Let me check. 2015. Okay. Anyways, I think still, like the habits still ring true, right? We, so we a lot of them would still be valid. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, interesting here a bit, uh, what they can do to improve the habits or why, why are they hard to get? Um, <clears throat> um, uh, he says, firms often encourage a narrow approach to problem solving. Uh, which can provide people from from having the right conversations or taking risks, and they recruit from a narrow gene pool, quote unquote. Obviously, right in terms of uh, specialties, we've discussed this in our earliest episodes, right? Yeah. How so many people have a background in communications or uh, media Event. or events, yeah. um, and they're also increasingly specialized. I think this is true for the very large firms where you have a shared service center for social media. You have marketing ops specialists who just do analytics. You have content people who only write for the website, right? I, don't, I'm, I think it tends to be more generalist and broad than the smaller firms. Like they have two marketing people and they do everything. But okay, interesting point. And then uh, the the last one here is interesting where he says, um, there's a province of a mindset that although well-paid and intelligent, marketing professionals are also often deeply unconfident about having brought business conversations with their internal clients. Yes. Yeah. I think some of them do. that's an interesting point to end this episode. That very much is the hurdle we should get over. Mm -hmm. um, and the way to do that is to Be ignore this feeling and have the conversation so we yeah. can get better at being commercially minded. That's probably not good advice, is it? Like, just ignore the fear, I, I, but I'm not. It's, not, it's, it's more than ignore the fear. It's just go ahead and have the conversation. Eventually, yeah. you'll become brave enough to do it. 
you've got Without this, thinking. especially if you are listening to this podcast. Yep. Is that, do. Is that too much? Do I need to dial it? No, no, no. I do think, though, we are on time now. We are so. on time. I got to wrap it up. So, uh, yeah, I wish you. We hope you a... join us for the next episode. Uh, until then. Blow. Happy weekend to all of you. And uh, unfortunately, I have to do some work because I got to write a paper about repositioning consulting firms for the recession. But more on that later. It's coincidentally based on a podcast episode, which some of you might have already listened to. <laughs> See, that's See. Re repurposing best practice right there. Anyways, uh, yeah, have a, have a good one and speak soon, Ash. Thanks. All right, then. going to stop the recording here. Still have to say that. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us. 